Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of everybody who believes. Something we should meditate on and think about, process through. Cat was reading the book of Esther and looking at a young woman who was asked to do something scary. <laughs> she had to speak up to a, a king, a king could, that could have destroyed her life and she spoke up and there was salvation for her people. She saved a whole nation of people because of her words. Because words are powerful. The words of Jesus, the gospel, the good news is powerful. And we've been given those words through the word of God and by the power of God, by the spirit of God. Why are we ashamed? Sometimes we're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to tell people that that God loves them. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We ask that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds. That it would change us and make us to be what you want us to be. To be salt and light to a world that desperately needs you. We ask that your spirit would continue to Change us, mold us, make us, and even break us so that we could be useful for your kingdom, so that we could see your kingdom come in our lives, around our lives, and the people around us. We know this is your heart's desire. We know this is why you sent your son. We know this is why you rescued us and saved us, because you have a purpose and a mission that you want us to fulfill, to live out, to demonstrate your love to this world. So by your spirit, continue that process this morning as we look into your word and as we think about your word together. Help us to concentrate on you, to let the other things rest for right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're uh, on this journey walking in the spirit, trying to listen and obey the word of God as it penetrates our hearts and minds and as it changes us. And I hope that you are being uh, challenged as much as I am. Uh, It's easy to say, not always easy to do. So one of those things that's difficult to do is to to speak up for Christ, to, to, to witness, to be a witness, because it's not... Just something you do sometimes, it's actually something that you live out 24-7 when you are born again of the Spirit of God. He wants to break out of our lives. He wants to speak through us. He wants you to be a mouthpiece, just as Esther was a mouthpiece. 
so that he can use you and me in his plan. And when we refuse to speak, we're quenching the spirit. We're, we're throwing water on, on the fire of the spirit that wants to burn brightly. So as we're trying, <laughs> and I promise you I'm trying desperately to uh, lead us in a study of the book of Acts, I can't move until the Lord says move. And he just has me lingering over this gift, the gift of his spirit, the gift of Jesus that comes and lives within us. And I think that we've somehow missed the point for many of us. We've missed the point of the spirit. We get so distracted by other things. And I'm going to be distracted by a runny nose if my wife doesn't. Bring me these tissues that are right here in the front. Sometimes when I feel the spirit, I can't help but jump for joy and sing and sometimes cry. So this morning's a cry day, I guess. It's not because I'm sad. It's just I feel the intensity of of what God's been trying to communicate to us. And it has to do with the fact that his spirit was sent to live within us, to make us different, to make us shine, to make us bright, to make us able to do the things that only God can do. To love our enemies. The passage that Aaron, our elder, read to us this morning. You can't do that without the true spirit of Jesus in you. You can't love. You you could pretend. You could fake it. But you won't make it. Because our enemies. We just have this natural inclination to hate them, to not like them, to to avoid them, to talk badly about them, to at least think bad thoughts about, right? I mean, if you're not like that, I don't know if you're human, maybe you're like robots, you know? But, But when people have truly hurt us and truly, you know, done things that penetrated our armor you know we try to be tough but there's times when it gets through um it's hard to love those people and jesus god in the flesh came was treated horribly for no reason and he would love so much that he would lay down his life For those real people, you know, 2,000 years ago, there was a real people that were putting a crown of thorns on his head. Whipping him. <laughs> so, 
when he says love your enemies, he knows what he's talking about. And the spirit of Jesus is the power of God to change us and to make us able to do the impossible. It's impossible without the spirit of God. There's a lot of things in our lives that are impossible without the spirit of God. And we're failing because we're not pulling from or relying on the spirit of God to actually do the impossible, to do the things that need to be done. We're trying to rationalize, we're trying to you know, make our own strategy, make our own plan and make it happen and then in the end it doesn't happen and you're in the same mess that you were in before. And so God's given us himself. He is like a resource, an unending amount of energy and power that is available to us and I feel like we have acknowledged it like yeah 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 thanks for the gift and then put it in a garage or in a storage unit or in a, you know just we know we got it it's there if i need it people we need it every day we need it maybe now more than ever at least in our lives we need the power of god not just personally for my personal issues, the things that I want to deal with, the things that I'd like to get taken care of in my life, because it doesn't end there. It starts there. God is very personal. God knows you inside and out. He created you in your mother's womb. He designed you with particular personality and a particular way of being. He knows you, and his gospel is for you in that very particular way, but it doesn't end there. The problem with us is we're so self-consumed, we're so thinking about ourselves all the time and our own stuff all the time that we forget that the ultimate purpose of the Spirit of God to come and live within us is to save the world, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel, this gospel which has the power to save for everyone who believes that gospel into the world. That's the whole point. And I feel like we've missed the point. I feel like I've missed the point. I feel like you've missed the point. Jesus didn't come just to make us comfortable. To make my life easy. To get rid of all my problems so that I can just live on easy street till Jesus comes again. Jesus came and suffered and died so that salvation could come to the world. Now, he didn't stay here. We know this because of the record that's given to us in God's word. He didn't stay. If Jesus had, he only lived to be 33 or so. I mean, he, he, he didn't get to live a long life. He only spent three years in public ministry. Three measly years. And he accomplished what he accomplished. How many years have you been a Christian, Laura? How many years have you been a Christian, Christine? Mike? How many years? Other Mike? (laughs) How many years? Charlie, how many years? How long have you been a Christian? More than three years, a lot of you. (laughs) Trying to take care of my nose. More than three years. More than three years. His spirit's been in you, dying 
to get out, dying to use you, dying to develop you into the salt and light that he needs in your corner of the universe, in your town, in your business, in your school. He's been dying to get out. I feel like we locked him away in the storage cabinet, in the storage unit, and we have an opportunity to let him out, to let the Spirit of God do what the Spirit of God wants to do, to seek and to save those who are lost through you and through me, broken vessels. Messy people. He does not care about that. We know this because the Gospels tell us that the disciples were unlearned men. Common fishermen and everyday ordinary Joes. They didn't have their doctorate degree. They didn't have, you know, masters in communication. They didn't have this stuff. But what they had, what they got on Pentecost was way better than anything could ever give them. They got God himself, his power living in them, ready to come out. And it happens in this book. It happens in the first, the second chapter, the first two chapters of this book. It happens And I feel like we've missed the point. Maybe you haven't. But maybe you have. God gave us his spirit. And his spirit brought power to the message. The message, the things that Jesus said, the things that Jesus taught, the things like love your enemy as yourself. I don't got power for that. But now I do because now the spirit lives within me. Before Christ, I had no power for that. After Christ, I got power for that. I got to do that. I got to call on God. God, help me. This is hard on parts of me, my flesh, my, my way of thinking, but I know in you all things are possible. So I know I can love my enemies. But will I? Will I? I have a slide here that, that, that defines the word power, and I want you to, to see this. Jesus said, Go to Jerusalem, wait, wait, right? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive the ability to do something and act in a particular way that you don't have on your own. I don't have on my own. You don't have on your own. Stop fooling yourself. Let's all just agree. We are powerless without God's power. To do the things that he's asked us to do. Now, we can live just an ordinary, boring, stupid life. We got power for that. Y'all must admit, I got power to be stupid. 
I got power to say bad things. I got power to do bad things. So, so we're not talking about just, just regular stuff. God wants to do life-changing, world-changing stuff. And you and I, because he's given us his spirit, we have the power to act in that particular way, to do that. Not in our own strength. Nothing we could ever boast about, Paul says. I would never boast in myself, but Paul says, I will boast in Christ. I will. He has made me able to do things I could never do. He has made you able to do things you could never do. But are we doing those things? Honestly, my life is pretty ordinary. I'm not sure it was meant to be that ordinary. If you read (laughs) the book of Acts, if we ever get to get past chapter 2, life is never ordinary again. It becomes extraordinary. People are healed. People are set free. Thousands of people come to Christ from a, from a fairly simple sermon that Peter, a fairly simple guy, a fisherman, not a theologian, not a seminarian, not even a Bible school grad, Peter preaches. Peter preaches a sermon, but the Holy Spirit does the work to bring 3,000 to Christ on one single simple sermon. I'm asking God, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) What am I doing wrong? Well, as I ask that question, and I honestly do because I'm a pastor, I preached a lot of sermons over these past 30 years. My sermons are preached to the choir. I preach it to people that already know Jesus, right? 94.3% of you do. I know there are some in here who have yet to bow your knee and call him your Lord and your Savior. I know, but that's between you and God for right now. When you're ready, he's calling, he's waiting, he's ready. His arms are open wide. They always are. He wants you. He wants you. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. He wants you to come to him. All your mess, all your burdens, all your heavy junk, all the stuff that happened to you in your childhood, all the stuff that happened in your first marriage, your second marriage, your third marriage, all that stuff that you're carrying around. He wants you no matter what. Because he loves you. He has a purpose for you. He has a place for you in his kingdom. He needs your mouth to talk about Jesus to the people you know who don't know him already. We are very comfortable, I am very comfortable talking to people who know Jesus. Some of you are like me. It's easy, right? We know they know Jesus. We know they love Jesus. We know that Jesus tells them they have to love us. And so even if we act kind of dumb, we're like, hey, it's safe here, you know? Because as soon as, yeah, as, soon as I do something bad, I just say, oh, oh, forgive me, forgive me. You know? 
God forgave you, so please forgive me, right? So we're kind of like safe, right? In the, in the, in the, the Jesus camp, you know, in the Jesus, in the Jesus meetings. This sermon, this first sermon in this first church, when the church was born on Pentecost, wasn't preached in a church. It wasn't preached in a cathedral. It wasn't preached in a coliseum. It was preached in the street, outside in a neighborhood where there was an attraction going on. There was noise. There was wind. There was people praising God early in the morning. So they might have been waking up some of their neighbors. You know, they, they were doing this early in the morning. People were saying, they're drunk. They're crazy. They're going crazy praising God. And they, they must be drinking. They've been drinking all night. Nope. Nope. Peter, that's the first thing he says in his message. Don't, don't be crazy. It's only nine in the morning. They're not drunk. They are so filled with God, so filled with the message of hope, so grateful that God saved them that they just want to praise God. They just want to love God, and they're doing it out in the street. And I'm sorry if that woke you up from your, you know, late, your late night last night. I'm sorry about that, but I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And so he preaches to a crowd of people, not in a church, not in a Bible study, not at Jesus camp. He preaches out there. And look what happens. The church explodes. It went from 120 people to 3,120 people, give or take, in one little sermon. From one little fisherman who spent three years with Jesus. No more, no less. So what are we doing wrong? What's happening? Jesus wants to come out of your mouth. He wants to love people through you. He wants to speak encouragement through you. He wants to find people who are lonely and lost and in the back alley and they got got nobody who cares anything about them. They have people who have said horrible things about them. They need you to speak life, love, hope, healing to them in Jesus' name. But they're not sitting next to you in church. Look around. Mostly good Christian people here. Love you because of that. But... We are missing the point of the power of Jesus living in us if all we do is hang out here together until Jesus comes back. We're missing the point. The power is given to us so that we can have the ability to act in a particular way. And Jesus says that that is to be my witnesses. The Spirit has been given to you And he's given you power so that you can witness, witness life in Jesus. King Jesus. We're going to call him King Jesus. Because I feel like mm, it's a little bit of funny teaching going on. And, you know, he's my friend. You know, he's my buddy. Come on. Yo, yo, Jesus. You know, like, let's just be, you know. ah, ah, ah. He deserves some respect. 
He's our king. He's our king. Don't we're treating him like, yo, brother. You know? No. Uh-uh. That's me saying that. He probably still loves you if you treat him that way, but I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Let's, let's treat him like he's king because he's king. God has highly exalted him above all things, all powers, all authorities, all people, all governments, all nations, all, all. Jesus is way up there. So for you to be like, yo, buddy, let's hang. I don't know. I question your sanity. You probably question mine as well. So let's move on. This next slide says kingdom power is for kingdom living. What I want you to understand is once you are born again of the spirit of God, you are now a child of the king. Now that doesn't mean you're the spoiled rotten brat. Some people preach this spoiled rotten thing like everything is yours. You just claim it. You just take it. It's all yours. Now, shut up. (laughs) To be a child of the king is such an honor for him to pour out his love on you, sinner, like me, sinner, that he would pour out his love on you, on me. It's undeserved. It's, it's crazy love. There was, there's, it, it, it doesn't even make sense, but he has chosen you as a, as a son, as a daughter. So live like a child of the king, not a spoiled brat, A respectful, honorable, loving, representative of Jesus on earth today. He told us in Matthew 3.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, this is found in a, in a couple of chapters, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, in, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is just preaching, he's just preaching one thing about another, he talks about divorce, he talks about giving to the poor, he talks about prayer, he's, talk, he's covering all kinds of things, he's talking about worry in particular in, in chapter 6, don't worry, he says, don't worry about you, you're going to eat. We don't worry about that in this country. But they did. They didn't have welfare. They didn't have McDonald's. They didn't have a lot of these things. So they had to worry about where where the next meal was going to come from. There are people in the world, believe it or not, newsflash, who are also worried about that. Right? So that might not be your worry thing, but you worry. I know you worry. Don't even try to deny that you worry. You worry about your kids. You worry about your health. You worry if your car's going to start on a cold day. You worry if you can afford to get your car fixed. You worry, 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 worry. But Jesus says, no, no, no. You're a child of the king. You don't need to worry because God knows what you need. Even before you say it, he already knows what you need. He will provide what you need. He would never neglect his children. He is a good, good father. He would never abandon you as a child. He would never leave you begging bread, the scripture says. Don't even let that thought in there. He's such a good God. He's such a good father. 
that he takes care of all your needs, but what he wants from you is just live your life seeking his kingdom, living like a kingdom citizen, being kingdom-minded, understanding that God is king. I don't care what Trump says. I don't care what anyone else says. God is king. But Putin's not king. God is king. So you don't need to worry about other people and that stuff because God is king. And, and he's got you as a child who he loves and adores and he will give you what you need. But kingdom power, which has been given to you, is for kingdom living. And kingdom living is in this new reality that Jesus brought about. Jesus changed everything. Everything. History's changed because Jesus came. Used to be the calendar <laughs> was set up. I mean, they changed it a little bit. They do some other crazy stuff, those scientists. But, but Jesus came and changed the world. And he's still changing it. He still wants to change it. He wants to change it through you and through you and through you. He's changing you, making you more like him. He's sanctifying you. He's showing you like, hey, lay that down. Stop that. Come over here. Let's do this. He's training you. He's discipling you. He's helping you to grow. He's not leaving you like a crazy person that you were. He's making you a son or daughter of the king. His new reality is that if you make him your king, if you believe in him, if you put your faith in him, he has a purpose for you. In this new reality, you're restored. You're restored as a son or a daughter of God, of the king of the universe, but you're still restored for a purpose. You're not a museum piece. This is not a museum. Or what do I call that cabinet? Curios cabinet? Is that what it's called? David, what's that called? Curio cabinet. You put something in there and you just leave it there and you walk by and you say, oh, isn't that lovely? And you just keep, you, you never use that thing in the curio cabinet. I know it's fancy. David's a fancy guy. But in the curio cabinet, there it is. Lovely. Child of the king, daughter of the king. She's just in there, locked in the curio cabinet. She never comes out. She never does nothing. She's valued. We love her. No. No. It's not your purpose. You're lovely. God thinks you're lovely. But that's not your purpose. You're not supposed to live in the curio cabinet, in the museum. You're supposed to be out there like a chainsaw, cutting down trees. You know? Like a jackhammer, breaking up. The power of God is in you. Not to sit in a curio cabinet. But to chop down the trees and to, to buzzsaw them down and to make whatever God wants you to make in the world today. You know, God is still creating his kingdom. He's, it's, the kingdom of God has come. The king has come, but he's still, he's still bringing about his kingdom authority in our lives, in the lives of the church, in the lives of those who the church is reaching out to. His kingdom is constantly expanding. We read the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I have to slow down my brain. <laughs> We read the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of service. 
Some of you weren't here yet because you got problems. <laughs> but I still pray for you and love you. Jesus says I have to. I really don't know what your problem is. Because you go to work. Most of you, most of you work before 10. Now, some of you may have a different shift, but whatever. If you don't show up to work on time, after a while, your boss is like, see ya. You know, I won't do that. But it's tempting, right? So at the beginning of this service, we read the Lord's Prayer together. Beautiful prayer. We can skip over to that again, Andrea. And I had highlighted a passage for us to really think about this morning. But we love that he's our father. Our father, we're your children, our, our father. We, we love that because we need that. We need a, a loving father, a powerful father, protective father, a father that provides for us. We love that. We can revel in that. We can meditate on that. We can, I can get lost in that because he's so good. He's, he's in heaven. I'm going to be there one day with him. Holy is his name, or hallowed is his name. Holy is his name. There's no other God like our God. No God so powerful, no God so loving, no God so forgiving, no God so merciful. There's nobody like him. So he is hallowed. He is holy. He's above everybody and everything. He is amazing. But the next line should get us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven on earth where you live and where you live sometimes and where you live <laughs> some of you are you know wild but where you where you live we all live on earth for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done here who's going to do that Not those crazy people out there that don't know him yet. Not you before you knew him. You weren't going to do his will. You weren't going to love your enemies. Uh-uh. You were going to kill your enemies. You were going to fight your enemies. You were going to talk bad about your enemies. So you're not going to do his will. Not before you know Jesus. But when the power of God is planted in you, when you are born again of the Spirit of God, you now have the power to do God's will on earth, just like it's done in heaven. I know we pray that and we can say that and we can try to make a poster out of that and we can put it on a bumper sticker and we can make a t-shirt and we can make buckets that we take to the beach when we build castles. We can... We can but... Do we really live our lives as kingdom people, as sons and daughters of the king, bringing the kingdom here on earth? This is the challenge. This is why we can't move on in the book of Acts. Because as you read the book of Acts, and you probably have because you're all good Christians, you see like these amazing things are happening and the gospel's going everywhere and it's spreading everywhere. And there's persecution and there's people thrown in jail for it, but who cares because angels let them out and it's amazing and it's awesome. And then some of them are martyred and die and go straight to heaven. Yes, they won the lottery. And, and 
All that stuff is happening because the children of God, the people of God, the disciples who followed Jesus and the disciples who were obedient to go and to wait and to pray and to ask God to do what he was going to do. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit coming to them meant or looked like. We still don't. God's kept it a little bit of a mystery. The sound of a mighty wind. Tongues of fire. Little flames flickering like we're all candles. It's it's meant to be a mystery. Because you know what happens when it's not a mystery? You try to control it. You try to program it. You try to write a book about it. Say, well, you do this, then you do this, then you do this. God is God. And you and I are not. God is God. We're fooling ourselves when we think we've figured him out. Scripture says again and again, his ways are higher than ours. No one can fathom how he thinks. No one can trace, it says, no one can trace his way, like just from their own thoughts or whatever. God is God. And he is working. It's all about him. If we are to seek his kingdom and live in this new reality, it means we have to change. It means we have to become so centered on the king, so obviously in love with being his child and letting him love us into wholeness, into fullness, into what we're supposed to be, that, that we begin to live outside the walls of our own house, outside the walls of our own church, outside the walls of the Jesus camp, and we begin to just live life deliriously, delighted with Jesus wherever we go, and it sounds kind of crazy, but who cares, because they thought they were drunk, and they weren't. They were just filled with the Spirit. They were just happy to know Jesus. They were just thrilled with the fact that Jesus had just sent His very Spirit to live within them. It changed their whole lives. It changed the whole world. It should still be changing our whole lives. It should still be changing the whole world. God wants to reach as many lost and lonely people as He can. And so He built an army. And he recruited you and you and you and you and you and you. He recruited us to be in his army. So we got to show up. Like, like Tanya said, you got to show up. You can't just show up and be like the, the New England Patriots quarterback tomorrow. Elaine, try it. Drive to Foxborough. Get out of your car. Try to get in there. Grab the football. Run. And then throw it. We can all visit Elaine in jail. Which is a scriptural thing to do. So, I might be going crazy, so I asked the elders to pray for me this morning because this whole 50 days of change thing, I'm like, holy cow. All right, here we go. So, um, yeah, one minute. The last um, castle slide. In everything we do, with everyone we meet, we have the power to bring the kingdom. When we believe that, we will begin to act like that. When we believe that, we will begin to walk and talk like that. So God, help us 
Help us to believe that. It's the gospel truth. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are born again of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit lives within you, you have this power to bring the kingdom of God now, in your life now, and in heaven. You know, like, we'll, we'll get there. I don't know what happened. I don't know where the disconnect is between the book of Acts and all the things that happened throughout the book of Acts and even the early church. I don't know what happened that stopped this flow. There have been revivals. There have been times when God has, has, has sovereignly chosen to just send his spirit and to pour his spirit down and to, to begin to remind people. But this is our time, Holden Chapel. This is our time to be reminded of who we are and why we're here. We're not here for entertainment. We're not here to make you comfortable. We're not here to even make you happy. Although Jesus makes you happy if you get close enough to him. I will tell you that. This is the honest truth. But listen, sometimes he makes you sad too because you look at your life and you say, man, I got a lot of work to do. And he says, it's okay, we're working on this together. And you are my workmanship created in me to do good works. To bring the kingdom of God on earth today. And every day we have left. Everyone you meet. Everywhere you go. The power of God is there. Potentially. To change. To bring about the fullness of God. To bring hope to those who need hope. Bring help to those who need help, practical help. It's not all just a spiritual thing. It's also practical. Worked out in good deeds, scripture calls them. Good deeds. You do good to your neighbor. You do good to those who even treat you badly. You, you just do that, and then people don't get it because that's not the way the world is, and that's not the way you were, but it is the way Jesus is. Jesus died for those who persecuted, tortured him to death. Paul says somewhere, he says, you have not yet suffered to the point of shedding blood. So he like just puts us in our place. Here's Jesus on the cross. And and we might be complaining a little bit because somebody didn't treat us very nice. And she she was mean to me. Right? Or he's a jerk. Right? And you can just hear the spirit of God say, You have not yet suffered to the point of shedding blood. So shut up and keep going and keep loving and keep caring and keep moving because the church is alive and well in the world today because the spirit is alive and well in you and in me. I, I love, 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 love Jesus. I don't know if you can tell. I, I just can't believe that he loves me it's unbelievable and if you don't know that if somehow you've missed that because you got all religious or you got all wrong teaching or whatever just boil it all down he loves you with this unbelievable love and no you don't deserve it but if you will receive that your life will change 
Your world will change. I guarantee it. And not because it's me guaranteeing it, it's because he has promised and he keeps every one of his promises. Amen?